Well, again, Happy New Year. Um, I, I sincerely believe this is going to be a good year, right? And if, uh, if you don't believe that, it makes it a, a difficult time to go into the new year. Yeah, I, I did think of uh, two things. One is that uh, our new schedule for uh, serving children, all, all those areas, is hanging up in the back, and there's a few extra copies slid down below it. So if you don't have one, there's some in the back. If you need an extra one, we can print it up and get you one. And then also, uh, advisory board, we are meeting Wednesday. Wednesday, immediately following Wednesday service. And if you come Wednesday, um, we're going to take a break from Revelation because we're going to take down Christmas stuff. Uh, it looks beautiful, but at some point we have to move past Christmas. So this Wednesday, we'll, we'll, we'll get that stuff taken care of. All right. Um, we'll be in Philippians 1.6 today if you want to go ahead and turn there. I'm going to go ahead and start us with some prayer. God, thank you for blessing us with a new year. Thank you for just who you are. And, and God, as we enter into this new year, uh, Lord, we're reminded that, that you have yet to complete your perfect and good works in, within us. And you've yet to complete your good works within our church. And so, Lord, let us strive with obedience towards that, that we would be sacrificial in our lives and Lord, we will be obedient to your calling. Um, God, I pray today as we enter this time of worship through your word that you would just uh, minister to the needs of our lives, the circumstances we face. God, that your anointing would be real and that you would speak through me to each and every person here at the point to which they've come. And we'll give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. You know, every, every new year the trend is to set goals or set resolutions um, for yourself for that upcoming year. And some of them tend to be, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to study more. You know, we set these, these goals at the beginning of the year. And if you find yourself a lot like me, at December 31st, I sit there depressed going, I didn't do anything that I said I was going to do, right? I, I start the year with great intentions, but I don't always finish what I start. You know, finishing what we start is something that we struggle not just individually, but I mean the human race struggles with this ideal because we can never complete something that we start. And so we live with regrets for the uncompleted task in our lives. And, and so this year as we enter into it, I'm so thankful that even though we don't finish the task in our lives, that we serve a God who's faithful enough to finish the work he begins in us. Uh, Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a great work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so I've entitled our time together today, God Finishes What He Starts. Um, you know, Paul, we, we know him as the author of this book, and, and we know Paul to be this man who consistently displayed uh, in his life what wisdom and obedience is to look like. He was a passionate Christian, and he was passionate in serving the churches that he crossed paths with. And, and the church of Philippi was no different. Paul founded the church of Philippi on his second missionary journey with three other co-workers. Silas, who we know him synonymous with, but also with Timothy and Luke. And so, so Philippi has a very special place in Paul's heart because he was one of the founders of the church. You know, the, the church here in Philippi was very generous to Paul, offering not only monetary support, but also spiritual support to him in difficult moments. Paul, even in his third missionary journey, visited the church twice. And so we have to know the great affection that Paul has for this church. And so you have to understand the strength it would take 
to write the verse that we just read, understanding that he's writing it while being in prison. He has such great affection for them that he can look at them even through his own circumstances and say, God is going to complete in you what he started. I believe it because he's faithful, not because of me. And so Paul tells us that God will complete a good work that he began even in the worst conditions that we face, Paul knew that God would complete those things. And so it speaks less to the faith that Paul had, but he had amazing faith, and it speaks more to the faithfulness of God. In this new year, I feel it's so important to remind you that God always finishes what he starts. And I'm going to have a very vulnerable moment with you. You know, there's days, um, and you can plug yourself in for whatever your situation is, but there's days that leading a church is a very difficult thing. There's days that it's a roller coaster of emotions that could change in a split second. There's days when you feel like you're the biggest disappointment and failure that there is in life. And there's days when you go, am I even qualified to do what I'm doing? And so as I stand before you many times on a Sunday morning, I stand up here a blob of emotions, really feeling unfit to be standing in front of you. And there's days that I wonder if God is even helping me or if I'm trying to do things through my own arrogance. And so in my self-pity, I came to this realization that God always finished what he starts. That regardless of who I am, God has a work and he finishes what he starts. And, you know, I just concluded my 18th month at this church and I've reflected back on my journey many times and, and reflected back on the church countless times over these past 18 months. And, and whatever rock bottom for a church is, was this church at that time. Uh, enthusiasm was lacking. Passion had dwindled. And it was rock bottom. And then God did some incredible things in this church. And he revived broken hearts. He infused fresh faces. And more importantly, God gave us a new and fresh direction that still rings true even today. He wants us to pursue our community, regardless how we feel. He expects that from us. God called this church to pursue the lost. And that mission is not dependent upon our emotions. In the same way that God develops a message in me, he doesn't say, now if you feel like it, go up there and share it. Despite my emotions and despite your emotions, God has placed a work within the walls of this church. And the work is to be consistent, or excuse me, to be conducted on the outside of this place. So it doesn't matter if I stand before you as feeling like the biggest failure. There's no escaping the burden that God has placed upon this church. And so it's caused me to draw this conclusion with our own church. God always finishes what he starts. And so I want to spend some time today in that concept, not only in our own personal life, but in our church, that God always finishes what he starts. And, you know, I, I often say, when talking about what a preacher is or what a minister is, um, that they're, they're actually administers of the gospel. See, it's impossible for me to preach to every person in this community. But it's my job to make sure that you are equipped and prepared to preach to every person in this community. And so I administer the gospel to you while you go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and administer the gospel to our community. And so we're all tasked with this tremendous calling that requires perseverance. And it's in those moments that you feel like you're hitting a brick wall that it's important to realize that God always finishes what he starts. 
And so if God remains faithful to us, then what is his expectation of us? And simply put, it's faithfulness. In our personal spiritual walk, he expects us to be faithful to his word and to his prayer. That's the expectation he has of us. In, in the church that he has put you in, he expects you to be faithful in attendance and active in serving. That's his expectation, his faithfulness. You know, right now, the, the team that's dominating the NFL is the uh, is New England Patriots. And I thought, how, how great would the Patriots be if Tom Brady, their star quarterback, always missed practice and he always skipped out on team meetings? It's no different with church. How can we be effective Christians if we're constantly missing our team meetings, our church gatherings, and we miss our practice, our prayer and study? So to be effective, we need faithfulness. And it's the expectation that a faithful God has of his faithful um, children. And so this new year, I hope there is a renewed faithfulness in you in your private and your public worship. I know that one of the things that I set in my heart this year as we move forward um, in 2017 is to be more faithful even in my own personal and prayer life because God's really convicted me of that personally. And so as I was preparing this this week, I thought, God, wow, faithfulness is such a mighty call. And so what are the areas that, God, you expect us to be faithful is in, the, in not only as his children, but also as his church. And so there's a few areas that I want to focus on. And the first is the faithfulness to sacrifice. And if you will, you'll turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll be in verses 8 through 16. 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. <clears throat> One of the greatest illustrations we read in the Bible in regards to sacrifice comes from a widow in Zerpoth. Um, and so we read her amazing story and we understand truly what sacrifice is and what the expectation God has of us in regards to sacrifice. 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Amzarpath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And so he arose and he went to Zarpath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a, a little water um, in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord, The God of Israel, the jar of flour and the, will not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. And what an incredible story. When we think about this idea of sacrifice, there's no greater sacrifice than to literally give everything that you have. To the point that she is about to prepare the last meal for her and her son, and they're about to die. So imagine meeting a man as you're preparing to die who says, I want to take the very last meal that you have, and I want you to prepare it for me. You know, that would be a difficult sacrifice to make 
especially understanding that the cost was more than what she even had. And not because of the words of Elijah did she go and do as he said, but it was because of the faithfulness of God she prepares all that she has to feed Elijah, a man she just met. And, and we find that the jar, uh, excuse me, the jug of oil and the jar of flour, that, that, that they never run out because God finishes what he starts. But there's always a faithfulness to sacrifice required. It's easy to stand up here and say, God always finishes what he starts and have no expectation of ourselves. But there is a clear expectation defined to us. And the first part of that is sacrifice. God promised to redeem mankind. And he finishes what he starts, but all along the way a sacrifice was required. First it was animals and people's livestock. If you wanted redemption, you had to sacrifice those things. And then it became his very own son, who was a sacrifice to finish what God starts. See, sacrifice and faithfulness and God completing what he has promised, they all go hand in hand. And so the question asked of each and every one of us is, will you be faithful to the sacrifice? Will you be faithful to the sacrifice? Will you be faithful to the sacrificial giving that God has called you to? Not only for your money, but of your time. Will you be willing to plug in the holes that are needed to be filled? Will you serve as the hands and feet of Jesus to those in need? Faithfulness to sacrifice is what is expected of us. And as for our church, we're going to monetarily give like we've never given before. Because I believe it's what God called us to do. We're going to give to trusted and impactful missions that can go to places that we can't go. We're going to sacrifice our time and our energy as a body, even to the point that we're going to serve together in faithfulness. Many times, though, when you hear someone talk about sacrifice, we feel a lot of times like the widow. We go, I, I can't sacrifice. I'm, I'm broke. I have nothing. There's nothing I have to offer. But it's in those moments that God expects our faithfulness to shine even brighter. Elijah didn't look at her and go, I, I don't care that you have nothing. God wants you to sacrifice something. And so there's no excuses in our own lives, no matter what we think is wrong, that God has the expectation if he's going to finish what he starts, that we're faithful to the sacrifice, even if it means that we have nothing at the conclusion. Because the truth is, what she learned is if God shows his faithfulness to us as a reward for the sacrifice we gave to him that is more than anything we could ever have in life. Faithfulness to sacrifice. When we feel we can't sacrifice anymore, we have to bake one final cake to show God we're all in to what he's called for us. And so God has called this church, God has blessed this church, and despite any of us, God will finish what he starts. Despite me, despite you, Despite anything that, God, that something may come in our way, he will finish what he starts. But we have to be faithful to the sacrifice. The next area of faithfulness that I feel that, that God calls us to to finish what he starts is the faithfulness to a new attitude. Um, growing up, I don't know if you heard the statement, but I heard it quite a bit. Straighten up or I'll give you an attitude adjustment. Right? You hear that? That's the cliche that parents and grandparents throw around. Uh, and even in my uh, parents and I throw it around and, and I literally have no idea what it means. But I just know that it's a threat that has a lot of uh, uh, a fear behind it. And as we get older, we become more entrenched to, into our attitudes that we have. 
And the attitude that many carry into adulthood that started in the Garden of Eden is the one of victim. Why does this happen to me? Why does everyone treat me like this? Adam played that very card in the Garden of Eden. When God confronted him on what had just taken place, he said, I didn't ask to do this. Why did this happen to me? It wasn't even me. It was her. See, the sin nature of each and every one of us to immediately shoulder uh, the victim role and shift the blame to someone else. But God has called us to a new attitude. And I believe what God has called us to is to shift from victim to student. That we don't look at this world. We don't look at our spiritual journey as a victim, but more so we look at it as a student. The victim says, why did this happen to me? And the student says, I don't care why it happened. I want to learn what God is trying to teach me. A victim looks at everyone else and cries out, life isn't fair. And a student looks at life and says, what happened to me could have happened to anybody. A victim feels so sorry for himself that he has no time for others. A student focuses on helping others so that he has no time to feel sorry for himself. A victim begs God to remove the problems of life so that he might be happy. A student has learned through the problems of life that God alone is the source of all true happiness. See, we only look to the past to see how far we've come, not to see how little we've moved. And it's a struggle in Christianity that every single one of us have, even beyond Christianity and just to human nature, is to look at life with a victim mentality. To look at it and go, I can't believe this person's getting a blessing and I'm not. I can't believe this is happening and I'm not getting it. And instead of looking behind us to see how far God has brought us, we look behind us and go, we're not moving as quick as we think we should. And I believe God in this new year has called us to a new attitude where we shift from being a victim to a student, where we look at life's problems and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? God, what are you trying to show me? Where are my weaknesses that you're trying to strengthen within me? It means removing negativity from our life. I will tell you this, a healthy church member comprises a healthy church. The attitude of a church member becomes the attitude of the church. And so let's renew our faithfulness to, our, to this personal new attitude this year and watch God change the attitude of the church. When we decline in giving and attendance, we don't look to blame something or someone else, but rather we ask the question to God, what are you wanting to teach us in this season? It's convicting for me because I look out here and I see faces missing and I go, God, why are they not here? What are and, and instead of blaming, I know that God is trying to teach me and strengthen me. And it's an attitude shift that starts right here and I hope that you have it the same way. And finally, I think the faithfulness that God has called us to in this new year, it's not only a faithfulness to sacrifice, a faithfulness to a new attitude, but also a faithfulness to prayer. You know, I, I make mistakes more than I care to admit. Um, and I'll admit that I made a mistake months ago by postponing the weekly prayer gathering that our church was having. I spend a lot of needless time worrying about this church. Not because the church doesn't deserve it, but because the things I worry about don't deserve the time that I, that I have. That God has more important things for me to focus on. So I spend a lot of needless time worrying about this church. And I worry about how people feel about me. I worry how long until people get tired of me. I worry about the finances of this church. I worry about those here and those not here. And so I sit and I dwell upon these things at night. And many times at bed, it's the thing that I'm thinking about last as I go to bed. And after a worrisome night, I felt it best a few months ago to say, hey, let's just 
to relieve the hardship financially on our church. Let's just do away with it. The less the lights are on, the more we save. And it was a mistake that God has continuously been dealing with me about. You know, I tell my wife this analogy all the time of how it feels leading a church. Have you ever tried to pick up a handful of water? It's impossible because it all seeps through your hands. In many days, that's what I feel like I'm trying to do, knowing that God is the one that does the things. But in my own arrogance, I try to pick the pieces up, and I watch it go through my hands, and, and I do this, and I realize there's repercussions here. And so I tell Amber that. And so the other day as I was just kind of bummed out driving to work early in the morning, I was thinking about the church, and I was thinking, man, what are some strategies I can do to get people back, get the attendance up? What are some areas that I've failed in that I can improve upon? And so I'm thinking about all these, just bummed out, wondering what I could do to fix things. And as I'm thinking of these plans and I'm trying to imagine how they'll actually succeed, a friend of mine comes up to me at, at work, and he hands me a piece of paper, and he says, I feel like you need this. Have you ever had somebody do that to you? It doesn't happen often, and most time when people hear you, guys, it's just a coincidence. But it's not. It's, it's divine providence by God. And so he had no idea what I was going through. I just got to church, I mean, just got to work, and I'm sitting in my office, and he comes and hands me a paper. And I remember as I began to read the paper, I thought, man, this is exactly what I need. And he had no idea that it was exactly what I needed. And even as I tried to convey to him, you don't understand, I need this, he had no idea what it meant to me. And as I read the paper, God began to directly speak to me. He began to remind me that all my plans fell at the foot of the cross. Every idea I have, every move I make, every time I try to scoop the water up with my hands, it's always going to fall out because I am an imperfect person who does not see the future plans that God has. And as I began to read this paper, it was just this long paper that was on prayer that he had gotten an excerpt out of a book. And I began to read about prayer, and it was gut-punching. And it made me, and it convicted me, and it made me think that this whole time I try to come up with a plan and a system, and the simplicity of it all is that God just wants me on my knees more. That he doesn't want me to develop some plan, because plans fail if God isn't behind them. And so I read this, and, and God began to really speak to me that if success is what this church wants, then faithfulness to prayer is what this church has to have. And so there was a sentence that really stuck out to me. It said, a sinning man will stop praying, and a praying man will stop sinning. And as I was reading that, I thought, that's so true. Because the more we drift away from God, the less time we spend on our knees. And the more problems we have come towards us. And the closer we are to God, the more we spend on our knees, the less we have problems that we encounter. So it punched me right in the gut. And so this, third, this Tuesday, I, I want you to know that the church will be unlocked from 6 to 8 p.m. For prayer. It's not going to be anything organized. I just want you to know that it's an open invitation to pray. To pray for our church. To pray for me and my imperfections. And to pray for our country, our community. Just to pray for your own family. If you're, in the, if you're on Wednesday nights with us and you hear the book of Revelation, it's a call to prayer because we don't want anybody to go through those things. So I want you to know that it's open. <coughs> And I know that people have chaotic lives, and so this is nothing to be pressured into. Um, you may only be able to come sparingly, or you may say, I, I literally cannot make it, and that's understandable, and that's okay, because I don't want you to feel obligated or pressured. 
I just want you to feel invited. And I want you to know that the church is open. But I'll ask this, that if maybe where you are, you can't pray here, that you can remember that two-hour window and pray with us. Because unity can defeat anything that the enemy tries to throw at our church. I try my hardest to pray and be vigilant of what happens to the church, but I can't by myself. And I'm learning that. I am learning a lot of lessons, not only here, but at the prison, is that flying solo is not healthy for you or anybody else. And so unity is the desire that I have for all of us. So if you can't make it, maybe in that two-hour thing, you can find it. Because I believe that great things are on, on the horizon for our church. I just believe it with all my heart. And so I want you to pledge with me in 2017 to be faithful to God in sacrifice, to be faithful to God in attitude, and to be faithful to God in prayer. He'll honor us, and He'll complete His perfect work in us. He'll do it despite us, but He would love to do it in unity with us. Because I know this to be true going into 2017. God always finishes what He starts. He didn't bring me here to get halfway and to quit. He brought me here to finish a work. And at some point, God will finish that work. But he expects faithfulness of us. And so this new year, we're not setting a goal. We're not setting a resolution. We're just in agreement saying that we're going to be faithful to God because he has promised to be faithful to us. And we'll watch God do some amazing things. Let's pray. God, thank you for this new year that you've graced us with again. God, that we're unworthy of it, that we deserve nothing from you. But because you love us and you're faithful, you give us the things that we don't deserve. And this year, God, I pray that you would do some amazing things to this church. But God, before that can ever happen, you have to draw us even closer together, closer to you, closer to each other. When the enemy tries to come, that there would be an unbreakable body of believers that he could not penetrate. And God, as we draw together to you and we draw together as a body, you're going to complete such a faithful thing that you promised to us. God, you promised lost souls to us. So God, we'll be faithful to sacrifice of our time and our money. God, you've promised that you would bring broken people into these doors. And so we'll be faithful to a new attitude as we love and embrace them. And God, you promised that this church would be an impactful lighthouse in this community. And so we'll be faithful in prayer to those things. And God, in our moments of weakness, that you would set us back on the path of faithfulness. God, when division and discord shows its head, that you would unify us even greater. Lord, when hurt and broken members and, and community people come into our church, that you would mend broken hearts. And God, you would do incredible things, not because of us, but because of you. So God, we unite together under the mighty hand of your powerful work. And we ask that as we do that, Lord, you continue to do amazing and incredible things. And God, we'll give you glory for all the beautiful things you do. For it's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 2017. It's going to be a great year. I believe it with all my heart. This is how I record. In case